Traveling the Vortex We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode 545. We librarians are a tough breed. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. We're just uh, sitting here weathering a storm here in Topeka, Kansas. <laughs> we lots of thunder and lightning. And Sean, you said the uh, power was flickering at your place. It was uh, it was rolling pretty good there for a while. We didn't actually ever lose power, but you could tell it was a uh, it was a struggle. That wind's <laughs> been vicious, and of course they've they've got tornadoes down about I don't know forty five minutes south of us, and it's all kinds of crazy hectic today, but. And then again, that's just Kansas in the spring. <laughs> that's what happens. That's right. I'm just glad we're getting some rain. Yeah, me too. I'm so- trying to grow some grass in an area. I dug up some bushes, so it needs rain. That's always really helpful. And that way you don't have to water it so much yourself. Yeah, I've been trying to do it twice a day. Yeah. This is my second round trying to go grass in that area. Mm. I gave up on the first batch, assuming the grass seed i had that was several years old was bad oh yeah uh, <laughs> two, well, two words for you astro turf <laughs> oh if, if this grass seed doesn't take i'm gonna go buy some of that rollout stuff that you just roll oh, it out sod. and then you water it and well it's not even sod it it turns into grass seed oh. it's not grass yet but you can roll it out it's like a little carpet that then turns like dissolves all the extra stuff and the seed goes into the ground and grows up really strong. Uh, I saw it at Menards. I'm going to try it next if this doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, AstroTurf, one word. Artificial turf, two words. Not in my book. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Houston Astros would uh, beg to differ. So, all, all I know is I don't have to mow it. It's green all year round. <laughs> <laughs> of but course, see, and, and, and you need to I do that. Chance be- to listen to some of the audios. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You need that, though, Sean, because you're living in, what, Arizona, New Mexico? No, I'm living in Kansas. It's dry (laughs) here. (laughs) Did you not hear, Keith? Thank goodness we got some rain out of this. (laughs) I I know you're all four blocks away from me, but over here on this side of the highway, it's dry. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys do anything this week? We took the kids to see Mario. Oh, what'd you think? Uh, We liked it. We liked it a lot. Gemma sat through the whole movie and did really good. Liam sat through about half of it and then wanted to leave, but then <laughs> was worried about what me and Gemma were doing and wanted to come back. So he got to see the end of it. And so did Sarah. So yeah, it was, it was the movie was really good. I liked it a lot. Yeah. A lot of fun. It is fun. Did we talk about that last time that I got to go? I don't think you don't talked think so. about it. No, I, I think I was the only one that had seen I it. I think at you that were point. the only one that had gone last yeah. time. I'm trying to remember when the last time we recorded versus the last time <laughs> I went to a movie. So, well, we also took the kid and went to go see Mario and uh, echoes all around. Uh, I, I loved it. I thought it was, it was great. Um, I imagine there was probably, you know, Glenn and, and Mason probably got way more out of it from the Easter egg front than, than I did. Um, but there were a lot of, I mean, just, I mean, it was like Ready Player One level Easter eggs. Well, there um, were some deep cuts there, too. I mean, yeah. it was Jumpman in the beginning, very yeah. beginning. 
Unless that, you really know the history of the game, it's not something you really catch. That burly guy that uh, is giving him a hard time, he's got Wrecking Crew on his hat. That was a game that uh, Mario actually featured in where they, he worked for a construction site. So. <laughs> I didn't even I know knew that. it was familiar, but I couldn't place it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Lots of stuff in there. So you, you really deep dive into that. Uh, the best the plumbing is song yeah, the plumbing song. Yeah, plumbing song. <laughs> Which that was probably the thing I appreciated the most is I, I was kind of one of those people that was going, really, Chris Pratt? Wait, if we get somebody animated, why don't we just get the guy that does the voice of Mario to do it? You know, it, and he, he had, was in it. He was the voice of Jumpman. He was in it. <laughs> he was the voice of Jumpman and the dad. And Mario <laughs> yeah, and the he's dad. the dad. That's right. I forgot about that. But then, um, right off the bat. What do you think about the accent? Was it too much? No, it worked for the commercial. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And, you know, it was like, just right off the bat, we're going to talk about this and put it to bed. <laughs> yep. Well, and Chris Pratt did enough of a voice that I didn't always hear Chris Pratt. Yeah. Well, he's he puts that Brooklyn spin on it, and I think it works yeah. really well. And then and, and on top of that. Uh, ups the octave a little bit, yeah. too. And and on top of that, he does some of the little Marioisms throughout it. He doesn't, you know, oh, he doesn't make yeah. them. He doesn't go over the top with him, but he does little Marioisms throughout the film, and so yeah, it really works. And I, I mean, I he was Jack Black as Bowser was. Oh, <laughs> oh he was. I, the I best couldn't part of the whole movie. Film. Half the time, I couldn't even tell it was Jack Black. Yeah, yeah. And as much as Seth Rogen didn't do a voice, it fit Donkey Kong. Yeah. I felt throughout most of it, anyways. I, my my first reaction to that was, oh, Seth Rogen, huh? Okay. And then he laughed, <laughs> and it was just the the the, the uh, you know Seth Rogen laugh. But coming out of Donkey Kong, it was just like, yes, totally. This is exactly what Donkey Kong sounds like. <laughs> Especially since, I don't know if we ever, I, Glenn, you would know better than I, but as far as I'm aware, we've never heard Donkey Kong speak. Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't, think we do, yeah. I don't think we ever have. I know he never did in any, well, any of the country games I played. He he speaks, but you don't hear him. It's just, it's the bobble. It's the, the voice yeah, bubbles, so yeah, you don't hear yeah. any of them. Yeah. He doesn't have a voice. Right, you know? right. Good stuff. It was good stuff. Bring on Metroid. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for the NCU. <laughs> Nintendo Extended Universe. I also watched uh, uh, 65. Mm. Is that good? I've heard well, it, <laughs> <laughs> it d- depends on your definition. Uh, I got out of it just exactly what I wanted, uh, which is kind of this, you know, sci-fi movie with kylo ren punching dinosaurs in the face so <laughs> it you know if, if you're going into it for that yeah it, it, it it's it, 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 it was kind of decent i think the problem with it honestly is you know the, the trope of what they have set up is you know it's this visitor from another world but he, they crashed on earth 65 million years ago well that's kind of the hook but in order to advertise the movie they had to give you the hook but then once that's... you know the hook it's like oh Okay, you know, there's there's no surprise or anything there. So that's what I wondered after seeing the trailer was, well, why did they spoil that surprise? I yeah, mean, I just uh, I don't know if there was a way to really make it not look like After Earth or something. I don't know. It's, I mean, Adam it's very on. very much like yeah. After Earth, but I kind of sort of liked that one too, even though it wasn't a good movie. So hmm. yeah, um, you know, but. Uh, Adam Driver and Ariana Greenblatt are always good. So, although she better be careful because she's going to get pigeonholed in that, uh, <laughs> yeah, post apocalyptic type of uh, <laughs> monster movie after <laughs> Love and Monsters and now this. Wouldn't this be pre pre apocalyptic? Pre apocalyptic. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, technically. Technically, yes. 
and that was the one surprise that I, I cannot ruin. So. <laughs> 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 Although, depending on which uh, which you know blurb you read, they may spoil that too. But mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I didn't know that one was coming, and it was like really okay. <laughs> Well, I saw that's already available digitally, so I may just rent that and watch it here at the house. We watched um, Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Oh, what did you think of it? Uh it's good. It's yeah, it's not you know best film ever. Um, it's I think it's on the same level as the first Shazam movie. The first Shazam movie is good, but to me, the first Shazam movie is good because it doesn't take itself too seriously and it was a surprise good i think i i think we went into a shazam expecting it not to work as well as it does and it does because they had fun with it and so while i don't think shazam's a great film it's a good movie and i think this is on par of that because i think it it sticks you might be able to might call it they played it safe but it sticks to those same kind of core let's just have a lot of fun with the superhero film and you know family at the heart of it and uh helen Mirren and um lucy Liu and the other gal and i can't remember her name uh they all do a fantastic job um they're not scenery chewing villains like we've gotten in some of these campy uh, uh superhero films but they're they're just they're just enough for this film in fact lucy Liu's i think the best part of it as far as her her villainous but uh, yeah, it's good. It's good fun. And I, it's got, a, for me, a really super surprising cameo, which is almost a, a, a double take cameo because of something that's done earlier in the film. And then there's another more subtle cameo at the end that really kind of feels like this was going to connect to at least the james gunn started stuff but it sounds like they're kind of wiping all this way well who knows what they're doing with that universe but anyway i had fun it was a good movie <laughs> <laughs> nice what, what he said yeah <laughs> so you saw it too yes good good i'm looking for i'm actually looking forward to seeing that one i just didn't get around to going out to the theaters because i like zach levi and there's something about him that always makes me want to root for him and mm-hmm. watch his stuff I have been watching Ghosts. Oh, the sitcom on, was it CBS? I've actually been watching the UK version. Oh, okay. On HBO Max. I'm halfway through season two, and it is so good. Hmm. (laughs) It is one of the funniest shows I've watched in a while. Each episode makes me laugh out loud at least one time. I highly recommend it. Adding to the list. (laughs) Each season's only six episodes, so... Mm. (laughs) <laughs> an attainable goal to add to the list <laughs> yeah sean is much more excited now we finished what watching uh, shrinking that's uh on apple tv plus uh with harrison ford and oh what's his uh, name from uh, uh, how i mentioned emily Mary, jason emily oh seagull uh, seagull yeah yeah uh good a uh, really nice way to wrap that one up i think i'd talked about we were watching that before but that's a that's a fun and funny uh comedy drama it's a, it's really really good really well written and really well acted and harrison ford is just a treat in that show we uh worked our way through the um the tales from arcadia animated show on netflix um troll hunter with from guillermo del toro uh-huh. and for an animated kid show uh wow was that better than it had any right to be <laughs> It's it's got a lot of Del Toro touches, including the the guest cast 
for a lot of the voicing, uh, which was wonderful. And then uh, when that, that 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 show deals all about uh, trolls and you know a bad group that's trained in the world, and then there's a couple of side characters that show up, and then they did a spinoff series called Three Below, where you find out that those characters are aliens. And so it's all of their adventures with a bunch of the side characters from the Troll Hunter series. And then there's a third series called Wizards, uh, which kind of ties all of these apocalyptic things together that have been going on in each of these other shows. And uh, I think it ran out of steam a little bit toward the end. Mm. Three seasons in a movie. <laughs> or three show, three shows in a movie. But uh, I think it was six seasons, actually, altogether. <laughs> the time we added them all up. <laughs> But we had fun with that, and for a change, I am current with Mandalorian. Mm. With tonight's uh, episode? Uh, well, no, not with tonight's <laughs> episode. <laughs> I'm still too, the I'm season s- finale. I'm still too behind, so we can't even. Oh, uh, we can't yeah. talk about it then. No. I am also um, eagerly waiting. Although I, we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait for Mel to come back, or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll watch it without her <laughs> for this. For the season finale of Picard to drop tomorrow, mm. because wow, has this season been good? I know I've kind of raved about it, but uh, oh man, let me rave about it some more. Oh, it's so good. Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Rusbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With popular features like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, we have a lot of fun. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Network podcast. All right, well, let's uh, move on to some news. Well, Titan has announced a annual book that's going to be coming out, uh, a 65-page spectacular called Once Upon a Time Lord, uh, featuring the 10th Doctor. The new Titan comic is coming in October from an award-winning Spider-Man writer, Dan Slott. He's Right, making his Doctor Who writing debut with his box with his uh, graphic novel slash annual, um, and it's going to tie in assumedly with you know some of the David Tennant stuff, but it's going to feature the Tenth Doctor and Martha. It seems. I had a, there's I, not a lot of details other than yeah, some pictures. I, I sort of wondered about in, when I first saw the the cover because they they released the cover art for it. When they first did that, I thought. Oh, uh, I guess initially I thought, oh, is this 14th Doctor material? But this is actually the 10th Doctor and, and uh, Martha. And it, I think it, if I the blurb looked, or I guess it's the picture that looks great. It looks like there's a, uh, hopefully going to be uh, some revisits from a lot of different uh, classic villains from the past as well. Looks like we've yeah. got uh, Sutek on there and some Slavine and yay. And uh, Sycorax <laughs> and Yeti and Ice Warriors and Cybermen. And Wirren. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this... the uh, cover art looks great. I mean, it's really, yeah. really incredible. And he's writing on the back of a werewolf, so maybe some tooth and claw. The synopsis says, an epic story that sees companion Martha Jones captured by the insatiable Pyromess 
and her only hope for survival is to keep them distracted with sensational untold tales of the 10th Doctor facing off against his greatest foes, classic and new. That's exciting that we're getting some Titan comic stuff. It seems like it's been a while since they've had any sort of it has, releases I think, or announcements. Well, it's, we just finished, uh, was it January the, that we got the um, Renegade Doctor stuff? So Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's it's been kind of like hit not hit and miss, but there's been kind of we you'll get we get a four story arc and then it kind of nothing for a little while and then another four story arc. So they've kind of been slow playing it, and so yeah, it'll be nice to see us get at least a big project in the uh, 60th anniversary year. Very cool. What else do we have on the news? Oh, well, there's going to be a new range of novels to celebrate the 60th anniversary. Each novel focusing on a certain decade or at least set in a certain decade. So it'll be 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. And we have some dis- descriptions of the books, but no actual titles yet, which is kind of interesting. I wonder if the that's 2010- because they don't have them yet, or if that's because they maybe reveal a little more than they want to reveal at this point. Yeah, or maybe they just haven't finalized them. Yeah. Yeah. So the 2010 one features the Weeping Angels. Uh, the 2000s is the Doctor and Rose, although it doesn't specify which Rose, but it or which Doctor. <laughs> I was going to um... say, which Rose? <laughs> There's only one, Keith. The other one's the moment. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> I suppose that's not true because we do have alternate universe rows. No. So well, no, I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to do I don't think they're going to do a book on the dog. dog. <laughs> a whole book involving Rose the dog. That is untapped uh, potential right Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that would be a daring story arc there. <laughs> Sean, get on that. Uh, sure. <laughs> bark, bark, Rose said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the 90s book features Doc, the Doctor and Donna. The 80s book, the Doctor and Romana are featured in it. The 70s book is the third Doctor. And the 60s book features Daleks. And that's all we know. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are synopses. You can go online and read them all. But they're not really, you know, give you a whole lot of details. And, of course, those are being re- re- released on uh, October 26th of this year. So very, very close to the anniversary month of november as well and it's kind of cool they have some new writers to the doctor who world so that's mm-hmm. nice too all right and our next bit of news i think this one's been what did we decide probably two and a half years in the making they've been working on this um doctor who worlds apart which is the nft uh, online trading card game um their first free-to-play tournament of 2023 is due to take place on discord and the final day for registration is this Friday, the 21st. So if you've been collecting some of those cards and building your deck, quickly sign up so you can join the battle. Um, sounds like first place for the, uh, I don't say what date the tournament is on here now that I'm looking. First prize is a uh, Doctor Who Worlds Apart Founders token, which they say is valued at $1,000. So... That's kind of interesting. Second place, two premium uh, Doctor Who Worlds Apart card packs of your choice. Third place is one premium and one common Doctor Doctor Who Worlds Apart card pack of your choice. And then fourth place is two common Doctor Who Worlds Apart card packs of your choice as well. And so you can go to their website and sign up. Um, I did see they have a token, which is the board that you play on now. So that is in the game. And um, I haven't 
other than the, the cards I bought, I hadn't looked, uh, I hadn't been too much into this because I just, it's a little too pricey for me to, to buy enough cards to build a deck that, I mean, I've been through this whole, the whole TCG thing and spent thousands of dollars on a Star Wars one. I'm not sure I <laughs> want to go through that again, but. The, the answer is no. I'm not <laughs> going to play this game with you. Yeah, I suck. I know you really want to ask. <laughs> I, I can't speak for Keith, but my answer is... <laughs> we got Keith in way too late either. on the other one so, yeah. for Keith. Um, but anyway, so that's coming this weekend. So, um, or the, the I guess they should say the uh, deadline to sign up is this weekend. So if you're into that and that's your thing, like fun. <laughs> I think the game's come along a long way and is looking good. And I hope that they, uh, I hope they've got a lot of people out there playing this because I'd like to see this thing succeed. Glad they got it all done and together for the anniversary year too. I went. They were probably worried worried about that as well. <laughs> yeah. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss in story order all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip. And every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including... Dalton Hughes. And... Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. Let's move on to a review. The War Doctor Begins for He Who Fights Monsters. And I do want to bring up really quick before we get started here. Um, just a reminder for listeners and maybe even an explanation for new listeners. We've been spending the past year and a half um, doing these stories, um, exploring the stories, mostly audios that have been set during the, the last great time war. And then for the big finish audios, we've been using an infographic that, and I finally have a name for you. <laughs> Gerard Groves <laughs> posted on Twitter back in 2021. And we've been going through and using that for most of the audios. And I'm going to post that again on our website, travelingthevortex.com. So if you want to take a look at that graphic, it's a good graphic. And, and we talked, we discussed a little before show. I think we agree with three quarters of uh, how the placement of the stories. There are a few that I think we would have probably put in a different spot, but it, it really is a good um, uh, guide broken into three different acts. Um, and I want to give a shout out, um, uh, to Gerard Groves because they did this and we've been using this and I, I feel bad that we haven't had a chance to say anything, uh, about who actually put this amazing graphic art, uh, together. Uh, they do have a great, uh, portfolio online that you can look at at gerardgroves.com. Um, this, uh, this person's a graphic artist and I should mention that they also have a TikTok and it's called blue box facts. So if you're into TikTok, it's all about Doctor Who. They're a lot of fun to watch. I've been I've been kind of um, mainlining those uh, just today since uh, I discovered that. Um, so thanks again to Gerard Groves for that and 
apologies for not mentioning <laughs> all those two years ago, a year and a half ago, <laughs> then we, we came across that uh, graphic that we've been using this whole time. I should also add that we are using uh, the complete adventures for some of the uh, materials that are outside of the audios. Um, there's some excellent material. It's an excellent material placement guard and timeline. And I'll give them another plug. It's icespider.org.uk slash drwho, D-R-W-H-O. Um, some, a, a great guide for that. So we've been using that for some of the intermittent things. And as we've done this, like I say, it's, it's broken into three acts, and we're about halfway through Act 3 now. And, of course, we're actually having to, because stuff has come out since that graph, we've been kind of adding as we've gone along here as well. So The truth is that this war... This last great time war of ours is reaching its final end. The time lock around Gallifrey is breaking. Soon it will shatter, and then we will fall. It shouldn't have ended like this. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, the war doctor begins. He who fights with monsters. We have a mission for you. There's something worse than Daleks on the way. And what if your target was another Time Lord. We foresee a time when the Barber Surgeon will end this war by destroying both the Daleks and the Time Lords. Yes, I'll do it. He has to be destroyed. By fair means or foul. Shake, destroy! We'll be attempting to leave Gallifrey in secret. That is how we will find him. We all have our orders, Captain. All I can tell you is that I'm on a mission. To where? The unknown. Exterminate! Exterminate! I have seen beyond the storm. I have seen him. I have seen death. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but a whimper. Big Finish for the love of stories. The Doctor is no more. A warrior has joined the time war between the Daleks and Gallifrey. But how far will he go? What lines will he cross? And how much of himself will he sacrifice? The War Doctor has begun to find out who he is and the consequences of fighting with monsters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give this one a bump, bump, bum, even though I hate that rating yeah. system. Um, I had a blast listening to this. I think the this story overall, because it is three parts, it's broken into three different parts, but it really, the first two parts are really just a build up to this climactic third act um, that we get to in this. And I think that I don't, I don't want to say nothing happened because the, the first two stories are very much maneuvering of, of the characters maneuvering of the doctor to get, him to where he needs to go because he's been within the confidence of a few select number of the war council. They've asked him to go take out or assassinate this uh, rogue time, another renegade rogue time Lord called this uh, barber surgeon. 
and they want him to go take him out and he's kind of really the only one that can get there and we learn that the barber surgeon is basically an enemy to both sides because not only do the 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 abominations of destructive weaponry that the barber surgeon's creating not only are going to affect the Daleks in this war it's also going to affect the time lords and so they're concerned they want to take him out the top Daleks have now you know launched their own uh counter operation in order to send their best assassin in to take out uh the barber surgeon and so there's a lot of that set up in these first two first two stories a lot of um side characters that really become unwitting victims to or yeah, unwitting victims to this whole plot because they almost at every turn he's thrown in with a group that has basically is transport for him to get him to where he needs to go to put all these pieces in place. And when I say that this is these first two stories are all set up, I don't want to undersell the fact that that these weren't good stories because I think they are. And I think just the sure character development that we get of the doctor in the stories and i think maybe even the maybe even the development of the mystery or the intrigue of who this barber surgeon really is i think we get a lot of that developed through the interaction with these groups that he's thrown in with in order to get to this point. And so I think the stories themselves, the, the first two parts are still very interesting because we're getting a lot of that character development. We're sort of on the verge of... Th this story really sort of sets up the idea that I think many you guys particularly, but many people have had of, of how dark and, and monstrous the Doctor becomes because mm -hmm. now we're considering assassination, which is something that in the past he's been sit in for you know genocide or assassination but always has taken the, the 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 better path in the past and this time he's actually on that path to do it and so i think that really this kind of starts to go into the darkness of of, of this doctor that there, that was really a shame you know that, that is why he's been locked off by his future generations because of these you know, monstrous things that he did allegedly during the time war. But at the same time, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself and, and, and slow me down if, if we need to, but at the same time, I think in revealing the uh, barber surgeon as well, I almost get the impression that this is what allows him not to topple off that dark cliff into no return. Because I think with the barber surgeon, we sort of see where the doctor ultimately could have been with almost a parallel version of the doctor. They don't go as far as saying mm -hmm. that, but there's a lot of dropped hints that that's what this is. And so we, it, it's almost like this event kind of pushes him back off the precipice of that cliff that he could have easily tumbled over and became as monstrous as this, this character that's set up. But uh, don't let me dominate anymore. You guys talk a little bit about this. It, it, it also sets up the idea of why he would go to the steps to deploy the moment mm -hmm. when he does. Is This lays that groundwork, even though it should be way further in the timeline for the Doctor himself. 
it sets that groundwork so you see that path towards the moments from this story arc um i had mentioned last time that we did a war doctor story that that one felt like okay this is what i've been waiting for and this is a continuation of what i've been waiting for uh, this is them doing the war the time war and the war doctor they're not they're not skirting around it. They're actually committing to it and doing it, which is what my issue has been with the War Doctor Begins stuff so far is they've been, you know, skirting around it and not, if we're going to do this, let's do this. And so now they're finally doing this and they did a really good job with it, I thought. Yeah. yeah. I thought the story of, you know, well, we've got this horrible, you know, guy who's going to, you know, destroy the Daleks and us by the, ending our you know time blocks and ending the war but wiping us out at the same time we've got to put a stop to him and getting the doctor to go do this by assassination of course going into it i didn't expect the doctor to actually do an assassination but you know the fact that he agreed to go on this sort of mission and that absolutely everybody he encounters throughout this entire story dies and he just keeps marching on that's the weights I see on the War Doctor's shoulders when I see him in Day of the Doctor. The death that goes in his wake where he survives and could he and he could have prevented had he not been focused on the mission at hand. So there's all of those sort of things that make you know, build this story up for me to make it what I've been hoping to see. Um yeah, and then there's, you know, the characterizations and the characters that come in and go throughout his adventures in this. And, you know, they have all have their strengths and their inter- and make them interesting. And then we just, they're all set up as great characters, and then they get ripped away from us. And it's like, <laughs> it's just that kind of continually, oh, that's frustrating, but good at the same time sort of situation. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of awesome references that <laughs> going to Kimball <laughs> and our Rastin Warrior Robot Squad. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. I mean, there's there then there's all those little just little nuggets for us diehard fans to uh, to latch onto and go, oh yeah, that's cool. Well, I know your ultimate squee moment was when D nine showed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not something I ever expected to. Do. And, and the fact that he actually talked like canine. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, but it, but in that boy. raspy Dalek voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the idea of the barber surgeon is really cool. And I, I've not ever read um, the book that he said that it was kind of inspired by oh uh superman man of tomorrow was that what the one that well it was that one and it was a combination of superman man of tomorrow and i'm trying to pull it up here uh where to go where to go where to go heart of darkness heart of darkness yeah the um yeah 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 yeah, yeah so I've, I've never read that joseph conrad's book um and heart of darkness so is the one that apocalypse now is based on right Maybe. I think so, so, yes. Okay, so I have some knowledge of it based off of that. Yeah, I I, I think it's 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 kind of a it's kind of a retelling of that. It's not word for word in any way, but Mm -hmm. it's yeah, it's it that's basically the the same story, same idea. 
Okay. So I, I didn't, wasn't really fully aware of it that much. Um, so the idea that this person is kind of a mirror image of him um, and has is a reflection of what he could be was also just absolutely fascinating. And the actor they had play the barber surgeon was so good. Yeah. I don't know. I'd never heard of this actor before, but when listening to it, I almost wondered if they had gotten Anthony Hopkins. I wondered Mm. that myself. Yeah. I I, I didn't wonder that because I knew that that probably wasn't possible. However, (laughs) he did, he did have Anthony Hopkins vibes for certain. (laughs) <laughs> which I then made me wonder how come anthony hopkins hasn't done doctor <laughs> well yeah like especially the the west world anthony hopkins that we get where he's all philosophical and all all of that it, it felt so much like him that it just added the extra gravitas to the entire story that oh we finally meet this guy and wow this is who he is <laughs> okay Nicholas Can I get some more with him, please? <laughs> um, and everybody that in the behind the scenes that talked about the actor Nicholas Leprovost, they had they held him in very high esteem. So I assumed he's mm-hmm. probably a revered actor over there that we're just not as familiar with over here. I'm assuming he's more of a stage actor because looking at his IMDb, he's not done a whole lot. Mm, okay. I take that back. He's done a lot, but a lot of like one episode things, yeah, like. Right. Yeah. Single projects. Yeah. Shall well, I? you two almost talked me into it. <laughs> oh. Um, of course, you didn't want the time more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For all of the above-mentioned things, I, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, I, I like the, the name-dropping and uh, the world-building and getting to that slightly darker version of, of the doctor. Although I think it's still kind of weird to do that turn in a walk doctor begins set, which is a, a, a maybe a strange comment, but I, I feel like if we're still kind of setting things up, then at, at some point we need to drop that moniker and just be the war doctor. And I understand the reasoning for it, that we're separating John hurt from um, from, from, from this John, but it just, I don't know. It, it's like, well, if this is the beginning of his career as you know, this, then it shouldn't be that dark yet. I wouldn't think, even though I'm the one that's been saying, Hey, you know, when's it going to get dark? But well, now that it has gotten dark, I feel like, well, I feel like there were 10 other adventures that we kind of missed out on I, between now and then. It just feels like it flipped on a dime. I agree with you. Let me let me talk to that real quick, because I sort of in my head can and want to play place this further down the line. And I yeah. think the part I think part of the justification for doing that, too, is Robert Valentine, who wrote this, which, by the way, having one single writer for this entire story arc is what I think makes it work, because the, the yeah. focus is there from beginning to end. But He has said, he claims that this box set is towards the end of the Time War. He has said that he wrote this with that in mind. And so we talked a little bit about box branding, I think a few weeks back, when we were talking about the the newest um, War Doctor Begins that's coming out and how 
the box art doesn't say where Doctor begins anymore. It just says the title of the story. And then, of course, the problem is they still have the younger picture of the Doctor. And even on this box set, it's the younger uh, John Hurt image that they're using for a younger War Doctor. And so that makes it slightly confusing. But I think in my head canon, I can easily excuse that this is just, this is literally set a much closer to the end. And I, to that point, think that the the doctor walks away from these events with the moment itself. And I think that's sort of alluded to at the end of this. We talk, he talks about the, the moment, the has, moment been has been prepared for. for. And I sort of think that somewhere between here and there, this ends up in the um, Gallifreyan uh, uh, artillery archive or artillery the Arsenal. There you go. Where he ends up going and, and initially getting it. So in my head canon, that's that's how that works. So, but anyway, Sean. Just yeah. Go and, on. And I I agree with you there. It does feel like it is darker than especially even John Hurt War Doctor stories we've gotten. But I don't know. On the Only the token, monstrous is pretty dark. And and having listened to future to, to all the John Hurt stuff, it. As much as I want to place this further down the timeline, the cameo with Leela creates a huge contradiction mm. that cannot happen. In my, in honestly, this box set almost needs to take place while, because obviously, from what we've listened to, Leela is not on Gallifrey anymore. Well, yeah, as far as we know, she's been hurled out into the vortex by the master, by the war master. Yeah, so this would need to take place before that happens no, because not knowing what happens not knowing what happens with Lila, I know something else that happens with Lila even further down the road. Well, that's just it. When we get back <laughs> into the when we get back into the gallery stuff, we're going to pick back up and find out more about Lila and where she's at at this point. So Right. So not knowing what happens within the Gallifrey with Lila, but knowing what happens in the War Doctor with Lila, there's kind of a it, it doesn't kind of need to be earlier on. And see, I think that may be another problem for me is, is, is trying to pigeonhole this. Not that it's all that important to know when a story is set or, or, or happening, but because of the Leela conversation in which she discusses, um, you know, they, 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 they tell the doctor, well, you know, we sent the master and then he gets the message from Leela to verify things. It, the, the, just the way those two things kind of paired up it almost felt like they were specifically referencing the the adventure that the master the war master and and leela went on were they not i don't think they were okay because i i got that impression too that this was that but we know we ultimately know where the war doctor ends up as well so that's another thing that i think is left very empty that this this certainly cannot be the war doctor here that we that is has been left behind but anyway just doing doing a little bit of a spoiler looking on tardis wiki it looks like it's referencing gallifrey war room oh okay all right is what it's talking about well, and when the Leela and the Master were together, they were to get that guy that was experiencing uh, multiple times at, the, at once because of mm-hmm. the, uh, the 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 temporal weapon, which is nothing to do with the barber surgeon. So right, it, it, right. it just you know I couldn't make it work, and I, I think my brain just kept tripping over it, going, "Well, 
when is this? Um, and I think the, I think the problem is is you know we're not far enough into the Gallifrey stuff to really be able to help us place it in our heads as well. And that's certainly a possibility. Yeah. The other problem that I ran into honestly is with the barber surgeon himself. Um, I like the idea of this boogeyman that there is a third party that is fighting the war and doing it with such callous regard for the monstrosities that, that this is truly somebody who has gone, okay, enough's enough. And, you know, sh showing up both the time Lords and the Daleks in, in cruelty. Um, okay. That's cool. I can get behind that. But then we, we spend the first two episodes in setup getting to the threat. And then the threat is kind of revealed to just be a cautionary tale for the doctor. It's like, oh, don't be like me. And and, and that's it. <laughs> There's just there, there there is no climax. It kind of all fizzles out under this we're going to have an ethics debate and a a, a a theoretical discussion of what might happen to you and oh by the way you don't have to assassinate me because i'm already dying it's like well man we just kind of pulled all of the teeth out of this thing <laughs> um but the, because you know you, you you gave us the boogeyman but then he didn't threaten anybody he didn't boogie anybody and you gave the doctor this you know hardcore we want him taken care of okay, I'll go it. I'll, I'll go assassinate him. And they didn't, he, he didn't even come close to it. Not that he would have, but it would have, if you're going to set up that, that moral conundrum, well, let's follow through with it. Then I, I, I want to see how the doctor gets out of not assassinating this guy or how he can justify it. If he's as much as monster as we've made him out to be. And I kind of almost expected a little bit more from the revelation that the Time Lords were, oh, we don't really want you to kill him. We just want you to lead us to where all the goodies are kept. And uh, they kind of make a big to-do out of that. And then the Doctor is allowed to send a message to the Time Lord saying, oh, don't come any closer and run away. And the bomb goes off. And, and I don't know. It just kind of all felt very anticlimactic for me at the end. And I, I, I sat back and I, I brooded over this for a full day afterwards going, what specifically was it about this that I didn't like? Was it that it didn't meet my expectations or, you know, is that on me because I had my expectations set somewhere else? And I'll be honest, I can't pin it down. I'm not quite sure what I was disappointed with, just that I was. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I think you're I had on... issues with the resolution also. It felt so quick of a, well, my, you know, unforgiving minute isn't fully finalized and I've set it to go even though it's not finalized and it's not going to truly work like I want it to and it's going to kill me and destroy everything so you're okay run away so <laughs> yeah if it, it felt so rushed that it kind of took the wind out of everything that had come before I, I think you both I think that's okay too to feel that way because I, I can see where you're coming from but I think that's what I ultimately liked about it because that's what I thought was really cool is that we're setting up this. And I, I'm glad that you said boogie boogeyman. Cause that's like the best descriptor of this guy is we've set up this ultimate abomination of a, of a, of a man who is doing things on both sides that are detrimental to everybody and everything. And we've really, we've set this guy up to be the, the ultimate baddie. 
to get to that end and realize how fallible he actually is and how there's almost more of a buildup in the reputation. I've, I've talked about this with the, the war doctor, why I haven't had a problem with the war doc with the, the slow plane of the war doctor and these events that we're actually see play out aren't as monstrous or as, you know, dark as we, we have built them up to be in our head because we didn't know what was happening. We've just heard that he's been locked off, you know, from the memories of the doctor. Well, Guys, the only reason he's locked up from the memory of the doctor is because he used the moment. There's not, there's very little that says that they shut him out because he became a warrior and did bad things. He did, don't get me wrong, but that's not why they, they've they basically tried to lock him out of their memory and everything. It's because he used the moment, because he ended up ultimately doing what he did. And then we find out that that's undone or never was done because of events that take place later, which I think makes it even better that it works that way but also in with the confines of this story it's the same thing it's this build up of and i'm not saying that this uh barber surgeon didn't do some atrocious things he obviously did because they wouldn't be so adamant of getting him but he's not the ultimate boogeyman and i think that's what i liked about it is the fact that he is fallible there is a weakness to him and by the time the doctor gets here to this, having gone through all of this build up to try to get to him and this trap and have to go through this dimensional thing that only the doctor can go through because he's the one that has to speak the words. And we haven't even talked about the hunter killer Dalek, which I think is just amazing. But anyway, um, <laughs> so, so to get there and to find this and have this guy, who's just a pale imitation of what the doctor could be and ultimately become, I kind of like that it, it ends up becoming not this pressing, uh, got to push the button, figure out how to take this guy out with actually, without actually, because that's all taken care of for him. And so I, I, that's what I liked about this is that there's this ultimate boogeyman buildup to, okay, this guy's bad, but not as bad as we expected. I mean, he's bad, but it, it's, it's, it's not going to be as hard to take him out as we expected. And I think that's what I liked about it, but I can see where you guys are coming from, from that expectations of getting there and this feeling like it fizzles out. It just doesn't feel like it fizzled out because that was satisfactory to me. That was like, Oh wow. I went through this really intense, immense ride. And then we get to this point and it's like, okay, well, this actually kind of is going to take care of itself. And it's really just the doctor discovering ultimately what he could become. And so that's why it worked for me. I also question a little bit about the Dalek hierarchy. There, there is. I was going to mention that too. There, there's an abundance of personality going on uh, within the, the Dalek chain of command, as opposed to give orders, obey orders, or, you know, I mean, we, we've had schisms before between the emperor and whoever, and I appreciate the fact that the the time strategist is kind of playing this long game. That he, he for for all of the menace that this thing has given us in all of these other sets, he's doing it his way. But it still seemed like maybe he was doing it for the good of the Dalek Empire, even if he didn't agree with the way the Emperor was doing things. Now it's very apparent that now this is screw him. I'm going to take over and do it myself and blah, blah, blah. Um, the hunter killer Dalek, I thought was going to be cool from, from, from the initial description and this hybrid. And I was like, Oh, we're getting to the, the, you know, 
where, where they've got the eye stock buried in the forehead model <laughs> that maybe we're, we're, we're getting a sneak peek of that or something. And instead the thing clomped around like a Cyberman. And that made me begin to wonder, it's like, well, is that what they've abominated it with? Did we get a cross pollination of, of, of cyber parts in order to give it legs or something? And, and then he also was built up to be this thing and then was very much not a thing. He, he just, he, he wasn't effective <laughs> at, at his job. He killed more Daleks than he did anything else. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it, it, that, that was just another kind of another part of the story that I was like, okay, get on with it. I just, I just felt that like I did not care. Now, bringing a special weapons Dalek into off the time strategist, I'm okay <laughs> with. So I think that's the thing that, that I like about this again, and it, it's going to be counterintuitive to what you guys are saying because, or what you're saying specifically, because, Ultimately, I should feel the exact same way because you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. He ends up proving to be very ineffective. But what I think I like about this, and maybe it's because it's not just him that has legs. There are the others. They, they, I suppose they describe <laughs> the as the spider, spider Daleks. Spider Daleks because they're Daleks with legs. Now, this isn't the first time we've seen Spider Daleks, though. But spider Daleks are first introduced to us now, albeit down the timeline later, in um, Engines of War. So this is the first time that we've had mm-hmm. spider Daleks. The spider Daleks are in that as well. But I also imagine that the, the spider Daleks are basically basically Dalek casings that have extensions of just, you know, some mechanical legs on them. And Based off the cover art, yes. Yes. That is and exactly I, what I, it is. I envision the Hunter Barber as a much larger uh, version of this. And... But what I like about it is the characterization of the Hunter Barber is different enough that we don't have this cookie cutter Dalek almost just it seems like Dalek after Dalek after Dalek design is the same. Even the um, special weapons Dalek are somewhat just a step up better. Yes. And that's why I think I've always like you, Sean, been a fan of the special weapons Daleks. But. I have a feeling this is more the the uh, the hunter um, killer Dalek or Dalek hunter killer is more of a cross between the special weapons Dalek and the uh, assassin, not the assassin, the uh, executioner Daleks that we got in Time Lord Victorious, and so this to me that was what the hybrid was or the 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 mutation of it together was and so i like the fact that okay this is a a different dalek this is a big you know (laughs) big big dalek you know scary dalek uh only taking single orders from the time strategist which i thought there was only one time strategist in reading a lot of materials and information this is not the same time strategist that we even got in time lord victorious so don't oh get, it's not don't get confused with that yeah because this time strategist is purple and has these i mean it's actually a really cool design purple and has these little like i don't know rings around the uh neck casing and some sort of like energy bulb in it anyway if you look it up online he's actually really kind of cool looking unfortunately he's dead but this isn't the that same strategist <laughs> either so I also like the fact that there is a lot of this. It just because this is very much in line with the Daleks that we've had, where we have these different factions of Daleks that are always trying to uh, 
usurp the emperor or somebody else. And so that's why we always have these different, you know, factions of Daleks throughout the entire history of the Daleks, because you just can't, they're always trying to undermine each other. At least the higher ups are always trying to undermine each other and, and do things. But back to the hunter killer Dalek. What I liked about that is you get to the end of act two after building this guy up and he's like dispatched. It's like, he gets zapped because he he can't go through the portal because it has to be the doctor that does it that says the words, and so he just basically <laughs> that was his use. And I thought, oh, so they built this guy all up and then they dispatch him here at the end of Act Two. That's okay. That seems kind of a waste for to have him show up later because he didn't actually die here to show up later in Act Three. I thought it was kind of a neat little oh ha ha look who's back now. He proves to be ineffective at this point as well. And at this point, he's ineffective because he no longer has the backing of the time strategist because they've gone in and executed the time strategist for trying to stab the emperor in the back. And so he ends up not having any sort of power at that point because that has been cut off from uh, Gallifrey, or not Gallifrey, from uh, Scaro. So ultimately, I like the fact that he's then becomes ineffective because those mechanicians that the time strategist is trying to usurp or get one up on the emperor end up failing. So there's this domino effect and ultimately it ends up failing for him too. So I liked that dynamic because it was something that was unexpected to me because again, I kept thinking, okay, we're building, we're building, we're building up to this. These How do you, how do you finalize something that you've built up so big well, you finalize it by not making it a big deal by, you know, going against what you expect or going against the norm. So again, with the Hunter Dalek, I like the characterization of it. And I also like the fact that he ends up being ineffective in the end. So again, that's just me. I just, I, that's what I enjoyed about that. I, I he liked, was kind of pulling Darth Maul. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. He was sure. the big bad. He got dispatched. Then he came back, but he came back without anybody's authority. Yes, so, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I like the politics of Scarrow, seeing them and fighting and hearing what's going on there. I, 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 it's in line with the characterization of Daleks, and I found it interesting to listen to and hear you know that going on. Uh, Hunter Killer, I thought, was an interesting character, and I agree with a lot of what you said, Glenn, except for I envisioned him humanoid hmm. for whatever reason i think I it's because of the voice around i think it's because of the voice sounds, too yeah it's, it's yeah, very the much voice different. sounds less dalek yeah so i he was he's he almost sounded like a i don't know just some big brute of a beast i don't know and maybe he is <laughs> i don't think i've seen any imagery about with yeah i, I yet, was so. looking i couldn't find anything he almost so. could be anything that we imagine so at this yeah. point until it's definitive somewhere okay so now is he supposed to be one of these spider dalek things well I, we don't know that's what i'm saying i don't think because, so but because he was clomping around and sounding very much like them i just imagined him as a much larger version and probably in a black casing rather than the gold casing. And I sort of imagined him with an outfit more like the, uh, or a setup more like the um, special weapons Dalek rather than the standard Dalek fare. So that's just how I imagined him. That doesn't necessarily have to be what he looks like. That's just the way I imagined it as I listened to it. Well, I wish I'd have had your imagination because <laughs> this thing is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen a spider Dalek before visually. 
that I'm aware of. Well, I think they were just described. I don't think I'd even seen a picture of them until the box art for this. And then I went yeah. and saw the, the trailer for this. The, if you haven't got a chance, look at the trailer for this because the trailers really shows them in action and it's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, maybe that would have worked better for me had I seen that ahead of time. <laughs> well, when they said, oh, you've got legs. Yeah, I was, the doctor says that. So I, it's the first time he's realized that. I didn't realize what he was referring to at first. I was like, what does he mean? They got legs. What is, that's got to be ridiculous looking. Uh, well, and I think uh, you imagine little humanoid, humanoid like legs yeah. underneath. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what, how is that even a doll? Like at that point, what's going on? He said it. And what I heard in my head was Forrest Gump. You got magic legs, Lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was pretty much over from the get go with that. So, <laughs> But this, this I, I will, I will concede that if it was a spider Dalek looking thing, that's that's much more impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, this box set's got me more excited for future War Doctor Begins mm-hmm. if they yeah. continue on this path. I think you've got to get, I think you've got to get writers that are ready to take this Doctor down that sort of path that I think we've come to expect, and I think Valentine does a good job of that, but. I think that he doesn't go too far as to, you know, make him too dark before we get, you know, further into this war. That's why I I want this one to be further down the line just because of that. But I I suppose until we find out more about where Leela's been left and where, I mean, we know that the War Doctor survives because beyond, we know that, yeah, the the, the War Doctor, the War Master just uh, survives because, you know, beyond this he hides out in at the end of time as uh professor yeah. Hannah. so well and you know i've talked about you know he's had to have done horrible things to make himself want to forget himself and self-hate is always you know the worst mm-hmm. self-criticism you can have sure. i mean he's always going to be harder on himself than other people but seeing this sort of story where there's been death in his wake that he didn't even try to avoid would make him hate himself and want to forget this incarnation. Yeah. So even, even if they don't really dip back into this depth, this story, this box set helps me mend that, you know, gap for helps cover that gap for me of why the later incarnations would feel that way Hmm. about the war doctor. Yeah. Sean, final thoughts. Yeah, I it's it's just kind of there for me. Okay. I, I didn't I didn't no, love okay. it. I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but I, I, I didn't love it. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from one to thirty. That's our doctor. Then one to three hundred for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. You were invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. 
Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Who-niverse. On Shuffle, the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. What do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, blissfully, we have a break from the time war. Uh, coming up next, we return to Season 6B with a Target storybook called uh, Save Yourself, which is a little short story, along with a couple of uh, Big Finish audio dramas, Beyond War Games, The Final Beginning, and Wrath of the Ice Warriors, featuring the second Doctor. When we return from that, we will go back into the Time War, but we will be on Gallifrey in Gallifrey Time War 3, and we will do the four parts of that. And then we return to our 60th anniversary uh, tie-in, or build-up to uh, Beat the Meep, with uh, City of the Damned and the Liberation of the Daleks, part one through four. That's what you have to look forward to. And you can find us, of course, on our website, travelingthevortex.com. And if you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? Uh, you can do that by uh, clicking on that Patreon link and consider supporting us. Uh, we've made it now that if you are a Patreon supporter, you can actually unlock our uh, content directly from our website. So be sure to check that out if you're a Patreon uh, member. And uh, if you could give just even a dollar a month, that totally helps us keep the lights on uh, here at Traveling the Vortex. And of course, we want to uh, give a big shout out to uh, Darth Gallifrey, who has uh, now signed up as a Patreon pledge. And uh, Jamie, we sure appreciate that. And, uh, you know, like I say, anybody uh, that wants to sign up, go to our website, click on the link and it'll get you right started. Again, you don't have to give a lot, just a little bit helps every bit and thank you so much for all of you that are are supporting us right now on patreon and then of course and then of course uh please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to the podcast because that helps bump ups up in the ratings and the recommendation recommendations on many of those uh podcast aggregators including uh apple uh podcasts and then uh, google as well anything else we need to touch on before we close this show If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks Thanks for listening. listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who podcast network.